Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. With the one and only Mr. Joseph Kent running for Congress. And the little bit I can piece together from you before I shut up and have you introduce yourself is 20 years in the military. Got out on a Friday. You went enlisted at the CIA on a Monday. Your wife also served. She was a cryptologist and was had a way with languages. She was KIA in Syria in 2019. You are a widower and raising your two sons, three and five, in Washington. You're running in Washington's 10th Congressional District. And your main push is that you feel that, um, and I feel is the same, is that is that one day you're going to have to tell your sons what country their mother died for, and right now you are not okay with that being where we stand. And so you're running for Congress. And did I piece it all together without sounding like too much of a stalker? No, that's good. That's perfect, man. It's Washington's third congressional district, uh, not 10th, but the rest is right. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. I got close. But um, close. is there anything else I left out you want to say before whatever we get into it? No, we can, I mean, that's good. Yeah, a little bit over uh, 20 years of military, 11 combat deployments, um, intended to stay in that capacity in the uh, in the CIA as a paramilitary operations officer. Um, and then after my wife uh, tragically lost her life in Syria, started speaking out in support of President Trump because she was killed about a, um, a month after Trump attempted to get our troops out of Syria the first time. I, I believe that he got it right. So despite all the personal grief I was going through and having to transition away from government service, I really felt that it was important to speak out and articulate that the Trump agenda wasn't just some, you know, willy-nilly thing that that Trump was kind of flying by the seat of his pants with. There was actually a, a solid strategy behind it. Um, so that was was what thrust me into, I'd say, the, the public light, um, especially in the foreign policy realm. And then I intended to go back and work in a second Trump administration. At the same time, I was moving my kids back out here to the Pacific Northwest, where I'm from. And then after that, uh, 2020 happened. The COVID uh, pandemic was completely and totally weaponized against all Americans. And then here in the Northwest, my district is smacking between Portland to our south and Seattle to our north. So we had Antifa thugs and terrorists march into our district. Our elected officials, by and large, did nothing about it. We had some heroic law enforcement officers that did their best. But by and large, they were completely and totally abandoned by our elected officials. So just like my wife's death represented a failure in, in policy of our elected officials and our unelected bureaucrats, I felt the same way about the crisis that was going on here and coming to full light in 2020 with the stolen election, the COVID pandemic, and then the assault by Antifa and BLM. And then after that, my Congresswoman Jamie Gurra Butler, who I voted for because she's supposed to be a Republican, voted to certify the stolen election um, and then vo uh, voted to impeach President Trump. So I just felt there was a crisis moment. So I wanted to throw my my hat in the arena and, and try and fix the problems that we're facing in this country. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, you often hear that, right? It's, it's, you, you see something, it's like when you talk to Tim Kennedy and he was like, my wife asked me, the one thing I don't do is go into politics. And he, I always bring it up when I talk to guys like yourself, I've had on other uh, uh OGA officers I've had on Delta Force guys and I always you know ask at the end I'm like you know when are you running and I don't want to do it and it's well that's the exact reason those guys need to run you don't want the people who are chomping at the bit to I can't wait till I get into power like 
You don't want that. When I'm when I'm foaming at the no. mouth at like a security detail and like, you know, insider training, like letting it or insider trading, letting it go. That's not good. That's that's no bueno. And um, but so because there are a million things to talk about, I kind of wanted to focus on just a couple. And also because I'm in Maryland and you're in Washington State, I obviously can't go into all the nitty gritty sure. of and I can't pretend like I do. And I'm not going to try to bullshit my way through it um, is is it's really two primary ones. I'm with you 100% that the election was stolen. And as I've said on this podcast before, and people roll their eyes so much, when I was 18, I voted for Obama. In 2012, I voted for Romney. I was pre-med, and I didn't want some Obamacare shit. 2016, I voted for Bernie because I was a deadbeat alcoholic. And 2020, I voted for Trump. I say all that to say I'm not lockstep one or the other. I'm very open to having my mind changed. That being said, I stayed up. I watched the election live. I watched Trump win... More importantly, I watched my liberal friends watch Trump win. I watched them freaking out. It's over. It's so I saw their genuine. Yeah, he won. And um, you know, it's it's the same moment when you see the second plane hit, and you go, oh, you know, when. What's an accident? And people say, dude, you're pro clutching. And I just say, man, like, and I tell this to everyone. You don't have to say it out loud because everyone's ego gets in the way. Just answer it in your own mind. When one person's leading and then they stop counting all at the same time and then they resume counting at 4 a.m. and they kick out all the other Republican watchers, literally board up the windows, and then the counts reverse. I'm sorry, man, but I did my first two, and I know I'm rambling. I did my first two years of college in Valdosta, Georgia, which is deep south, like Django Unchained, Quentin Tarantino south. And, you know, a a lot of iffy stuff down there. But I saw yesterday, Valdosta was the big city down there. And Valdosta is nothing. I had a friend from a little county called Douglas County, which is the most redneck place I've ever visited in my life. This morning I saw in an audit that Douglas County voted 100% for Joe Biden. And I know firsthand, aside from being statistically impossible, that that's utter bullshit. So sorry, I'm rambling. I get excited. First one is that we cannot move forward. We, you, you served, you know, what is it, uh, blue on green, green on blue scenarios. You can't move forward with any operations. You can't worry about going outside the wire if if something's fucked up here. So that's the right. first thing, and I'm going to stop rambling. What can be done about it? They just finished the audits in Maricopa County, and I believe they're going to start yeah. in Georgia. What can be done, and what are you going to do? Yeah, so I think we need to have uh, multiple contingencies built into this. There's widespread discrepancies. There's a good deal of uh, blood, sweat, and tears been put into bringing out the actual evidence of election fraud. Because it's one thing to say the common sense thing of, hey, we all saw what happened on election night, but you got to actually have the receipts. So there, there's um, some good folks out there, the Voter Integrity Project, ran by Matt Brainerd, who's actually part of my team now. Um, in this campaign, he went out and found all the ballot level fraud in Georgia. I think that's going to come to light with the um, audits that they're getting ready to run there. Maricopa County, all the credit goes to them for really starting this wave. Those representatives down there that pushed it because the receipts are starting to come out of Maricopa County. And really what they've just found right now is all the inconsistencies with the the voter machines, the whatever it was, 34,000 cyber uh, breaches and, and unauthorized accesses that they brought up just last week. But then the fact that Dominion 
When Dominion said they wouldn't turn over the administrative passwords to the election machines right there, to me, that was like, okay, well, that's kind of all the evidence that we need. If you won't turn it over, what what does what are, what are we hiding? We're either hiding gross incompetence or we're hiding some form of a conspiracy. I'm not a huge conspiracy guy, but I do believe in culture. I think that the far left put this huge culture into play that Trump and everything that Trump represents is absolutely evil. And if something's absolutely evil, you are you are allowed to use whatever force and whatever means necessary to overthrow it. Trump is literally Hitler. Well, anything's justifiable against literally Hitler, right? <laughs> so that's the culture. And you don't really need a conspiracy from there. You exploit the COVID-19 pan- pandemic and you send out unsolicited mail-out ballots and it pretty much takes care of itself. And then there's some other people that, you know, went in and probably actually committed legit ballot fraud um, in these various locations. It's going to come out. So I think What's going to happen here is we're going to be in a situation pretty soon. Once Maricopa County is done, once Georgia is done, Pennsylvania is going down the road of having an audit themselves. I think very soon we're going to be in a situation where it's clear that Joe Biden didn't get 270 electoral votes. Now, I mean, I wish it was like, oh, okay, well, that automatically means Trump won. That's not I mean, we know that, that that's what happened, but that's technically not true. From there, we actually have to have the state legislatures and they're going to have to fight for it go back and recall their electors. And then we're gonna be in in uncharted waters, unprecedented territory. We're gonna get a 12th amendment situation. And I think that that's going, realistically, I think that that's gonna get jammed up in the courts. However, the American people then are gonna see that this election was not legitimate. I mean, the election right now with like, I think fairly moderate to left-wing polling, like over half of America thinks that there was some degree of fraud and just shenanigans in the last election. So once all this evidence comes out, I think the American people are going to know that something actually happened. We have to come out in such force, though. We have to take the House and the Senate back, I think, to fully run this, have it, this thing run its course. Because I am unfortunately not confident in the courts. The courts proved to be nothing yeah. but a bunch of cowards going. Uh, they were supposed to adjudicate this between November and January. And they all refused to do it. Clarence Thomas like wrote the dissent and said we should take this, but he's the only one that even spoke up about it, which is really, I think, just disgusting and disappointing. So we need to take the House and Senate back so that we can actually have a full adjudication of the election, a full open congressional hearing, open to the public. We provide the venue to lay out all the evidence of voter fraud to make it clear to the American people. And then from there, I think two things happen. That gives the states enough evidence to, to pass really strong voter laws on their own, because I don't believe the federal government should be running uh, elections. But then from there, once we lay out all that evidence, we let the courts take its Run, run their course. We let the, that 12th Amendment process play out. But then we, in the Congress and the Senate, we submit impeachment papers for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because we just can't let this stand. We have to get them out of office if it's illegitimate. So I think that's incumbent upon us um, as as the America First movement that I think is going to retake the House and the Senate in 22. And what you said is um, it is very important because sure, we can have the, I watched it, I stayed up and I watched it, but it's also, you know, that that doesn't fly in court and the reality is is and it's and it's what i've said before is i can't do four years of laughing at my liberal friends who's screaming he's literally hitler manchurian candidate and i'm just like do you guys want to go play the new far cry like i just got an xbox and they're we have to stop hitler and i'm like listen they did a thing and it, it didn't show he was hitler ironically it just so i can sit here and say it was stolen and we can all say it was stolen there needs to be a forensic audit you have to show it and i've said this before I wish Joe Biden just kicked his ass. I voted for Trump, but I, I'd i be so much happier if I was just like, ah, oh, man, you know, sucks to suck. Get up and, you know, get him next time. That's fine. That's fine. 
I don't think, I don't think that happened. And even what you just said is, well, we're going to have to retake the House and the... I mean, it's like people said, you know, right after they certified the election, everyone's like, well, all those Republicans, they're about to get primaried. And I was like, by what means? Well, we're going to vote them and we're going to do what? We're going to vote. OK, we're going to vote them out because that just none of it works. Right. It's like was it I think it was the CIA in Vietnam didn't or then we used to put like exploding cartridges and then we'd like give them to the rebels. So they'd fire guns and the barrels would explode and in maim. They never knew what bullet they're going to fire. Well, then let's go find the guys that sold us these guns and kill them. With what guns? The you it's at a fundamental level, it is right. messed up. You cannot move forward. You cannot pass go. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's. But like you said, it has to be based on evidence. It cannot be opinion because we are already. I mean, we are divided like World War One in terms of just digging yeah. in our heels. And it has to move yeah. forward with evidence. Um. I think with I think with twenty two, I get asked that all the time. But with the twenty two election, we have to just we got complacent. I think in twenty twenty because Trump was just such a he was a stronger candidate than Biden that we all thought we're like, oh man, this is in the bag. Biden's not even trying. They can't even get a good rally together. And I think a lot of people were just like, Trump's going to win in a landslide. And we weren't, we weren't looking at where the fraud was going to take place. And they laid out the groundwork ahead of time. So I think going into 22, yeah, I know I get it. It's the same. We're essentially going to be voting with the same system, especially out here in Washington state. We've been doing mail out ballots now for like 15 years. So we don't actually, and, there, and there's been discrepancies with our gubernatorial races are dirty as hell. They essentially keep vote, They keep counting in Seattle until the Democrat wins. That's their methodology. And we use Dominion tabulation machines. But what I tell people is in 22, in order to make all this happen, we have to come out peacefully and just let them know that we're watching. We have to have people going out and getting the, train, the training right now to become poll observers. And then we just need to have rallies at the boxes, we need to have rallies at the actual tabulation sites, just to let them know that we're watching, because they basically were left unsupervised with the election of 2020, and they really only had to get, I know there were some shenanigans in Georgia with the Senate race, but it, the goal was just to get Trump out, so they only had to cheat on one guy. In 22, the magnitude of which they would have to cheat and be organized is going to have to be much higher, and that's why if we come out, and I know this isn't this isn't a perfect situation at all. They can still totally screw me. I can still totally be wrong, but we have to make it much harder for them to give us the ability to actually change the system. It's an imperfect answer, but that's where we're at. Yeah, it, no, you're right, and it's you know, and it's like if we don't do that, it's it's very easy to like pull things. You're right. It's very easy to pull the Bernie and be like, there's discrepancies in the world, and it's like. What, what are you offering for a solution? What are we going to do to change it? It's very easy for me to sit here and go, you know, what are we going to do? Vote him out? And it's like, well, what else can you do? You served for 20 years and now you're going mm -hmm. to fight in politics. It's like, you know, what else can you do? Oh, there, you froze up for a second. Yeah, it's like, what else can you do? It's an imperfect thing. We got to go do it. And um, that's also something that you are correct on is um, not that I'm the arbiter of truth, but you're right. It was one guy. Very much had to get out one guy because... Republicans won in pretty much every other area where he was cheated out was that. And it's very easy to go for one guy. Um, and, you know, like you said, you're not a conspiracy guy. I am. But I also I also read a lot. I, I interviewed last summer. I interviewed uh, Brigadier General Robert Spaulding, former B-2 spirit pilot, worked in Obama's National Security Council. I uh, was at the Hudson Institute. I think he left there. He wrote the book Stealth War about China's asymmetrical warfare, unrestricted warfare, the 2049 plan, which isn't a conspiracy. It's what the CCP is doing. Everything's on the board. 
including in that in that PhD thesis by two Chinese generals in the late 90s, it included biological weapons. And what China was projected to take over the United States economy by 2035. But after COVID, it's 2028. I mean, what did Shiro Ishii, the head of the Unit 731, the biological weapons program in 1940s uh, Japan, say? America is a machine society. We cannot match them tank for tank, ship for ship, but we can take out their people. And that's what the whole biological weapons program was. I've had on Dr. Ken Alabek, the head of the Soviet Union's bioweapons program. We defected here in 1992. And I'm leading all this to say, because there's that's just, yeah, sure, COVID's a bioweapon, sure. The importance is, is kind of the second facet, because I don't, I don't have you for an unlimited amount of time, is the attack on free speech and censorship. Because just like how do we vote out the cheaters that cheated on the voting system, well, how do we bring awareness to this when we can't talk about it? I'm on my third suspension. If you can't tell, I talk nonstop. I'm on my third suspension from YouTube. Twice for having on physicians talking out about COVID and once for having on Claire Lopez, a 20-year veteran of the CIA, talking about uh, election fraud. And, um, you know, it. they finally kind of backed down when I had on Dr. Robert Malone two weeks ago, inventor of the mRNA vaccine. Mm. Censorship itself is you you can't talk about things. So now it's, you know, they're censoring censorship. What What is going to be done with that in Section 230? Everyone screams it's a private company, but now just last week the Biden administration said they're going to work with social media websites and SMS carriers to fact check things about COVID. This doesn't end here. It doesn't end with COVID. What can be done? Yeah, I mean, I think we've gone even beyond censorship and then even beyond deplatforming last week when, you know, Jen Psaki's coming out talking about we're going to everything you just said, we're going to monitor the social media streams, we're going to monitor the SMS traffic. And then later that day, they asked Biden that off the cuff question that he answered, hey, what's with the censorship? And he came out and he said, well, we have to do this because they're literally killing people with this inform- this disinformation that they're putting out. And again, this is just like Trump being literally Hitler. If someone's killing people, what can you do to stop them? Well, you can do anything to stop them, right? Especially if you're in the government. As a matter of fact, you have a duty if you're in the government to go and stop them from killing people. It's this game they're playing right now that's gonna label all of us who dissent from what the Biden administration is putting out as insurrectionists, as terrorists, as spreaders of disinformation, that there's justification now for force to be used against us. So I think we're heading into a very, very dangerous place with the way that the Biden administration is framing this. And then they go and they want to appoint people like David Chipman to the ATF, who has literally killed men, women, and children to take their guns for them. It's it's all very deliberate messaging, um, in, in my opinion. But as far as the, the big tech goes, we have to break up big tech as soon as possible. I almost think the Section 230 argument um, takes away a lot of oxygen because then we get into semantical debate about like, are they a publisher? Is it free speech? I just say that big tech is an absolute monopoly on information and it's a monopoly on pretty much your ability to exist in the modern world. Because let's say you make your living by doing these, these videos, they can completely take you off the platform. They can seize your bank account. These things have happened. They, they deplatform president Trump. And the only reason he can survive is because he's an independently wealthy multimillionaire, but I've had friends in, in the veteran space that have started companies on their own and they express some, you know, really generic, I'd say Republican pro 2A stances. And they've been taken off of Shopify. They've been denied bank accounts. And these, this is how these guys feed their families. 
So I think that the way that the uh, tech oligarchs essentially have control of the digital space, that makes them one of the greatest monopolies that this country's ever faced. I mean, we broke up Standard Oil for much less back in the day. So I wanted to use the antitrust laws to break them up, to treat the internet like a public utility, and then to do everything we can to neuter these tech oligarchs, especially a lot of that too is going to be, and Republicans aren't very happy with this because this kind of echoes some of Bernie San, pre-Bernie Sanders kind of selling out sentiment. We need to go after these guys because they are not paying their fair share of taxes. These top 24, 25 tech oligarchs, they're not. Like they, they do a really slick way of uh, disguising their income because they borrow off of all their investments. And then they, they spend millions of dollars giving to charities. These charities are being used like Zuckerberg did to help fix the election, to pump critical race theory into our schools and to indoctrinate people, and then also to ship jobs overseas. So they're not really actually doing anything positive at all for the country. So I, I want to go after, break up big tech as a monopoly, and then go after these multi-billionaires, especially in the tech space, that are doing nothing but harboring anti-American sentiment and not benefiting the country. It's, um, that's a good point. Don't get caught up in the semantics of 230, because it's, yeah, is that just going to get tied up forever? It is 100% a monopoly. And it's, man, again, if you had just gone back 20 years and and told told a liberal then that you're going to be arguing for government censorship, hey, they know what's right. Trump's literally Hitler. And I understand that my body, my choice. But after we censor your free speech in collusion with the government, we're going to send people to your doors demanding you get vaccine. And if not, we just want, we want to know why. We just want to know why. We want to know why. Yeah, right. It. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and then we'll use big, big tech to give you a digital vaccine passport and we'll cancel you from society if you don't get the vaccine. So no, no more your body or choice. Take the jab. It, it, it's it's insane. And it's it's absolutely. And, you know, I had brought up these points before and everyone's, you know, Tommy, you're not a doctor. You're spreading. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm just, I'm just going to get the inventor of the thing himself. And I was like, what's your two cents? Because, again, I can talk about what needs to be done or I can have on you. I had on Robert Malone and he got through the whole thing and he goes, listen, think if you're over 50 or if you're in these at-risk groups, he goes, absolutely get it because you'll probably die via COVID. That being said, he goes, I think if you're under 50, it's far more dangerous for you to get the vaccine. That's insane. The guy who invented it saying, I mean, VAERS right now, right? The vaccine, the vaccine adverse reactions report system, whatever yeah. it is. Last week, it was up to 9,048 deaths in the United States. This week, it is up to 10,991, not including 1,073 miscarriages. That's a one-week jump. It, it's insane. And I'm not even telling people don't get it. All I want to do is make that information available. Right. No matter what the information is. So if you're okay with censoring this, if you're okay with censoring about, you know, uh, election fraud, well, what happens when literally Hitler gets in? What if Trump gets back in? What if he can monitor your texts about, uh, how about no more videos of unarmed black men being shot? What, what about that? Right. Well, well, that's, yeah. well, this this causes riots against police officers and it's hate speech. Yeah. What about news articles about, you know, uh, civilian casualties and drone strikes? That's right. hate speech. Uh, you know, what about uh, uh, the the bonuses of CEOs of Raytheon and General Dynamics after, uh, you know, we build a new embassy in Tanzania? It, it goes downhill very, 
very it starts with Alex Jones saying that Hillary Clinton's a lizard who eats babies. Sure, I I get it. Like, eh, yeah. it's hard to defend it. I did because I said it's free speech, but it's very sure. very easy to take that out. Very so, but, hey, that, that's that's interesting is that we, we for a while there. I mean, especially when I was growing up, it was the folks on the the far left, the progressive left, that were really advocating for free speech and to keep the government from becoming this massive overlord. And somewhere that switched, and, and, and I think something that the permanent ruling class and these these top tech oligarchs did really well uh, is they pumped this critical race theory, they pumped this woke ideology into the populist left to neuter them. So I think, I mean, if you look back to like the original um, World Trade Organization riots and all that, like they were advocating essentially for Trump trade policies. Like they didn't want us, they didn't want us to be um, shipping our jobs overseas and giving a fair, uh, unfair advantage to Chinese companies where you slave labor. They wanted to keep the jobs in America and then Occupy Wall Street 10 years after that kind of had some of the same messages about the predatory practices of the elites against the working class of America. But then you saw really quick a lot of this woke intersectional feminism critical race theory get pumped into that side that really took away a lot of that argument. And they were able to paint anybody who dissented as some sort of a racist. And then that, I think, really neutered that movement. And then now with Trump, they just cranked it up to the next level and said, hey, if you're if you question what the establishment says, then you're a Trump supporting Nazi of some sort. And now we have this really weird space where only the folks that are in the conservative space, not only, but by and large, um, are the ones that are saying, hey, we shouldn't just be blindly following what the government says. But they've been able to, especially with COVID, make obedience part of their religion. And now, like, the government and these institutions that we, in order to have a healthy country, we should be very skeptical of. Like, we, I was in the intelligence community, but the intelligence community needs to have oversight because they have very powerful tools. And, and, and power corrupts, man. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So, like, they need oversight. But now you have the entire left that's just gone completely off the rails and they are supporting all these policies that want complete and total control of everyone's lives. It's, it's a very scary place to be in. It's, it's absolute insanity is, I mean, I mean, you have to, again, what, you know, Brigadier General Spaulding says in the opening lines of his book, Stealth War, you have to respect your enemy and the Chinese are waging a beautiful war. His words. Yeah. Hey man, they're waging a beautiful war. You put in Trump. How do you get the far left to hate free speech? You put in Orange Hitler, and now they're against yeah. everything, right? I mean, what happened to – I mean, I remember being in, like, a Catholic middle school, and, like, you always do things that you wanted – You we always did the things that we weren't allowed to do. Have to have short hair, you want long hair. Can't play Grand Theft Auto, we're going to play Grand yeah. Theft Auto. I don't even like Marilyn Manson, but if I know my parents will get angry, I'm going to listen to the guy with white makeup burning a cross because it's just right, yeah. you're allowed to. I don't support any of that, but – but now you can't and any dissenting opinion is you are met with hostility and you know you know in china in the chinese market they 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 take out if you look at the poster you know how like mcdonald's in new york is not the same as like mcdonald's in milan it's the same arches mm-hmm. but the it's completely yeah, different. yeah yeah disney in china the posters they don't put black people in them because the Chinese people don't like it. Right. We have people here frothing at the mouth because it's racist to call it the China flu. Mm-hmm. It's absurdity. And with Chinese with Chinese money in the United States, I mean, we just saw it with John Cena, right? You have all of this 
But the most important thing is, is if you can censor the dialogue, then we can't even get the information flowing. So it is, it is misinformation and you will be banned, as I have been, from YouTube or whatever for talking about a lab leak hypothesis. Months go by and it now becomes fair game, most notably with like Jon Stewart on Colbert. Well, now we can talk about it because now it's been shown to be plausible. Who decides? Yeah, who decides when it's plausible? And 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 to me, it's just. And I know I'm kind of beating on the same points, but there's really, it's the same thing. With what guns? The exploding bullets. You know, are we going to work with the Afghans? Are they going to shoot me in the back? No other discussion matters. Not not taxing the billionaires. Not you talked about it before. Not the lumber industry in Wash in Washington State. Nothing else matters. If we one cannot talk freely, and if two, we don't we don't fix the twenty twenty election. That's right. And yeah. I, I know I'm beating down on those things, but to me, there's no point in spending another second talking about anything until those two things are rectified. What do you realistically see happening against big tech? Because we can sit here and say bring anti monopoly charges against them. What can be like? Yeah. What actually can be done? So, I mean, I think on an individual level, people can attempt to go to alternative platforms. I mean, but that's hard because if you want to exist in the current space, like you are still going to be somewhat reliant on big tech. They're going to come after you. I mean, I think um, Parler getting removed from the Amazon, um, the Amazon, yeah, web services was one of the biggest, biggest overlooked stories out there. I mean, they basically, there was going to be a tool that was going to allow people to speak freely and they just kicked them off the actual server. So until we, uh, until conservatives can build this really reliable alternative internet, and I don't even know if that's where we want to go, then we do have to go fight in this current space. So individuals, I think we just need to really elect leaders that are willing to go after big tech. And I think we have to go and we have to fight, man. I think that's the only thing that we can do is to try and take away the power that these guys have and break them up as a monopoly. I, and like you said, until we can fix that and we can fix the election, there's really nothing else. And I, and I think all these things are intertwined because if you look at the way the economy is set up right now, if you look at the way critical race theory is dividing people, it always benefits this top 1%. There's this 1% at the end of critical race theory when you get done demonizing white people, when you get done demonizing Asian people because they're successful. Wait, add Cubans to that list too because they voted for Trump in Miami-Dade County. Once you get to the end of those, there's just this one group that gets to be the arbiters of who's racist and who's not, gives them control. Same thing like our economy is being set up right now or has been set up right for the last 20 years. There's this top 1% that just benefits. And then now they get they become the arbiters of the internet, of speech, of existing in this digital space. So like you said, nothing matters until we can actually go and fight that. And it's really gonna come down to, are we gonna elect leaders here that are going to go after these people? And are we going to, be able to take control of the administrative state of the U.S. government in order to be able to actually turn against big tech because big tech has so many allies right now inside the U.S. government, you know, by and large, just to settle, just to get their political objectives accomplished. Like the Biden administration, like we just talked about, the left used to used to be against this stuff. But the left right now is like, this is a great tool in our hand because we can go after all of our enemies as hard as we want. We can justify force being used against them, or we can simply just cancel them and demonize them, you know, on, on a, a smaller level. So I, I think we are going, it, it's that whole drain the swamp thing that Trump was talking about. It was a fun, catchy statement, but it's very real. Like we have to go in, not just from a congressional level, go and try and use antitrust laws, but we have to go and 
uproot all these people that have these deep ties, these tech organizations that have ties to the Chinese Communist Party, because those roots are just so deep that, it, I mean, it's going to be a long, hard fight. I mean, I, I just don't think there's any, I wish there was like a, a button you could go hit in Congress once you had like enough votes and you pressed it and you like kind of reset things. But it's just, I, it just doesn't, I mean, people, people want that answer, you know, which is why I think some people really got complacent when Trump came in because it seemed like he was going to fix everything for us. You know, and the whole QAnon guys, like, no, no, there's a plan. Like, guys, there's not a plan. The, the plan is all of us have to go and work our butts off, you know, and then we have to be prepared for a fight. And in a fight, there's going to be 100 setbacks and one victory. And that's sort of the way that the fight's going to go, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, if QAnon is the most brilliant psyop, just relax. Oh, yeah. Relax. It's there's a plan. Yeah. You know, imagine, yeah. yeah. Imagine if, imagine if you're, you know, in some denied territory with the CIA or something and you're pinned down and someone's just radioing you and they've got a really suspiciously Af- Afghani accent and they're going, don't worry, you don't need to call it artillery. Trust yeah. it. You don't need to put in another magazine. You're fine. You don't need to put a tourniquet. And you're like, guys, guys, I got this as you're just bulldozed to oblivion it's it's yeah. ins- it's fun i love it but i mean it's fun in the same way lord of the rings is fun but you yep. y- you're right it's i mean you can't go in and just you know it is 2021 this isn't 1944 we can't have curtis lemay just go drop a million tons of incendiary bombs on the on the nation we don't like right i mean curtis lemay total badass but i mean it's a different time right i mean mm-hmm. we saw that really shifting with vietnam although there was still some you know what linebacker and and uh rolling thunder but then as you even saw in the global war on terror i mean we don't we can't really do that anymore it's just mm-hmm. doesn't exist there, there are no marching armies it's and, and I mean, really, from July sixteenth, nineteen forty-five forward, the only marching armies with defined bases are well. We've also got thermonuclear guns to each other's heads, so that whole thing's out the window. Yeah. And there is kind of an analogy with that. It's you can't just let's get rid of the CCP and take them out of the government. No, it's much more paramilitary. It's JDAMs. It's surgical strikes. It's it's removing a cancer like nerve by nerve. It's not. It's a long, hard thing that's not going to happen like that. So the next, the next, not to get into these more esoteric about how are we going to fight QAnon, Joe? Like just the more simpler things. What's another big obvious one, right? So I was there videotaping on January 6th. Everyone knows that. And I, as you do, I condemn the people that broke in there. No different than I condemn the people that burned down courthouses in Portland. You can't. And I'm there's video of me about 12 feet from the Capitol. And you can hear me behind the camera going in just like my cheesiest white voice. And I'm like, you know, I can't go a whole summer of condemning BLM and Antifa and then be OK with this. And that's when I walked away. And I still stand yeah. by that now. You can't that's do right. that. So the idea of we can go burn down cities for the left, but not do it for the right. No, it it what is happening to the people that broke into the Capitol right now. That's fine. That should also be happening to what's going on with Antifa and BLM. These are roving bands of intimidators who are burning shit down, causing billions of dollars of of damage and what, 47 fatalities last summer in the summer of love? What can be done about that? Because that's a a street roving paramilitary uh, arm of the people that if they can't censor you, will send everyone clad in black throwing Molotov cocktails and hitting old women with bike locks. When's that going to stop? 
Yeah, so that, I mean that's a huge hot button issue in in my district. Yeah. We're so uh, we're so close to Portland, so we're right across the Columbia River. We're on the, the southwest Washington border. Portland is essentially uh, one of our major hubs. Our major city of Vancouver is a suburb of Portland, essentially. They've marched into our district plenty of times. Like I said in the beginning, and our elected officials did nothing about it. So at this point, Antifa is clearly a proxy group used by the left. Kamala Harris was actually tweeting out their bail fund that people from Portland were contributing over a million dollars to to bail out these anarchists and these terrorists. They've given sanctuary there. Portland's a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down. But in Portland and Seattle, um, are essentially failed states, mm-hmm. and they are now harbor these terrorist organizations that whenever there's another hotspot throughout the country because of a police shooting or something like that, they deploy as an expeditionary force to go stir up violence. So right there, they're acting interstate. This is clearly the purview of the federal government. You know, I was of the mind of like, hey, if the people of Portland voted for this, then, you know, I still have family in Portland. I actually grew up there before I joined the military. And hey, whatever, man, they voted for it. That's what they get. If they want to destroy one of the most beautiful cities in the country that was on the cusp of coming to the second Silicon Valley, that's on them. I, after a while, after about six, seven months and seeing how this is just spreading everywhere, this is where the federal government needs to, needs to step in. This is where we need the FBI, the U.S. Marshals to go target these guys like the terrorist organization they are, go after their funding, expose it for the American people, start slapping these guys with 10-year federal terrorism charges. And I think a lot of this would go away because they've never been that violence that they put out. It's never been checked and violence doesn't go. Violence doesn't stop unless it's checked by more violence. That's just a law of nature. You know, violence doesn't decide like, oh, okay, well, we've reached the 15th of the month. I guess we'll just go home now. That hasn't worked whatsoever. So, I mean, we from the the congressional perspective, we need to call the heads of the Department of Justice, heads of the FBI to the carpet and say, hey, what are you guys doing? Why why are you not deployed right now to go take out this threat? And then I think we get really aggressive with the way that we allocate federal funds. Um, I think we should withhold federal law enforcement funds from Portland, from Seattle, um, and then I'd even go one step further because they refuse to deal with it. I would just say no more federal funding, period. Like your district attorneys, they need to start slapping these guys in charge because I know the police. I know police. I have friends that are police officers in Portland and Seattle. Um, and they say, hey, we know who all these guys are. We've arrested them multiple times. If we had the ability to turn them over to federal prosecutors who would slap them with charges, give us a day or two, we could go round all these guys up. You know, but it's just been a revolving door. So I, this is a, this is where the federal government has to come in. You know, since since you mentioned January 6th, I mean, I think we, we got to talk about how much the government has just been completely dishonest with that. Like there were some people that acted violently. I don't think it was a conspiracy. I think they were reacting to the moment. Um, and if they acted violently, they deserve to be charged. But yeah. the, the federal government has not been transparent whatsoever. They lied through their teeth about the death of Officer Sicknick. They got caught in that lie. They've been labeling everyone who questioned the the election as an insurrectionist. They're calling that the greatest, whatever, the, the bigger big than 9-11. Lie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big yeah. lie, big, bigger than this. Joe Biden said it was, it was worse than the Civil War, you know, just last week when he was trying to justify, you know, the uh, election audit going on in Pennsylvania. But they still haven't answered the fundamental question, like, who are all the leaders of this group? Why have they not disclosed how many uh, undercover officers, how many uh, uh, federal controlled sources and agents were in that crowd, especially after what came out of Michigan, where there was 12 of the 17 people that were indicted to try and kidnap Gretchen Whitmer were paid agents of the FBI. So you, you have people that were directing people to the different breach points of the Capitol that haven't been charged yet because they're unidentified co-conspirators to include one of the biggest militia leaders. 
he hasn't been charged yet. And there's signal traffic of him directing people to different breach points. So to lay out, they, that needs to be laid out. Like why has that, why have they not been honest with us about that? And I think we all know why because we all, it fits their narrative. We all know why it's, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. but again, right. We can't, we can't just go on like, you know, emotion and we, it has to be proven, right? Because we can sit here and say, oh, I know why, right? But it's, yeah. it's, well, if you don't have evidence, that's how you barrel down QAnon. Next thing you know, you're claiming that yeah. Bill Gates ate a child in the Vatican. And it's, it's a slippery slope to that, right? And it's, right, but right, yeah, right. I mean, 12 out of the 17. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, I mean, my math's a little spotty. That's almost, right? That's almost 66%. That's, it's over half. It's over half. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, I get maybe one, right? Maybe two, right? Because one is none, two is one. All right, sure. Maybe three. I mean. Yeah. And then you start looking at their key roles, too. Who are the guys that were actually making things happen? You know, because every operation has got a couple key people that do the planning and make things come together. And then there's just your grunts. When you're at the point where the guys that were making things happen, planning these operations, they're the ones that are in control of the federal government? Okay, so. It's like all the people that have been held without a trial for January 6th right now, that's a whole different subject. Like, that's completely un-American. If they did something wrong, charge them with it, give them their day in court. That's our system. I don't care who it is. They've been held. They're finally putting one guy on trial today, and he he is a guy who admits that he got caught up in the moment, you know? But where are all the people that were directing folks to different breach points? Where are the ones that were telling people to come and to come arm? Where are the charges for those guys? They're running down people that they think stole Nancy Pelosi's laptop all the way up in Alaska. They're arresting people with Lego sets at the Capitol. But you're telling me you can't find the guys that were organizing this? That sort of points to the obvious. And if and if it's not true, then why not just be completely transparent with us? Why not just lay it all out? It's – and I, I'm with you 100%. You know, no one put a gun to your head. You know, I went up there on my own free will. I also went up there recording, just kind of look – I'd never been in downtown D.C. because so I was also you can hear me. I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. There's the Washington Monument. Like I was just cheesing around looking at everything. There's I mean, there's video of me like walking towards the cap and I'm just looking at see a guy playing a tuba. And I mean, I really am just like the moronic like fanny pack wearing like, you know, like, oh, don't you know? Like, I don't know why I did that. I'm not I'm from New England, but like just walking around, just looking at shit. Right. And I was there when they started like booms and things. And I was like, that's that's no. It's no good. You went up there and you saw people sh- like just smashing shit. And it was like, you know, Spidey senses tingling, like time to leave. This is how you get some Kent State shit. It was like, time to go. Time to not be there. That being said, I went there on my own. Don't put a gun in my head. No one said we got to go. And even if someone did do that, I'm an adult. I'm 30 years old. I'm not smart, but I'm not brain dead. I went on my own. No one's forcing yeah. me to talk to you. I went right. on my own. They do need to be punished. It's... You can't you can't break in with a crowbar. Yeah, yeah. You can't. It's just because it, if if we start if we say well that was fine the freedom fi-, then that completely nullifies any argument you have against Antifa and BLM. You you have to show some right. sort of common ground that is like hey that's no good right that's no good. That being said, why is it that there were no, walking up? You can hear me saying why are there no cops? I was like this is probably. This probably isn't good. How come I can walk right up here? I was like, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be. And it was also, what if I saw this on like Rogan two weeks ago, he's playing the video and Tim Dillon's like, what is that? What is that Joe? And it's like, that is weird. And it's just video of just, of just Capitol police opening the doors. 
just opening the doors. Right. I mean, what is that? Are they are they insiders? Are they pro Trump insiders? Yeah. Punish them. What are what was this? Why did why did they yeah. turn down National Guard support? So me initially, I um because I'm not a huge conspiracy guy, but the more time that passes, I'm kind of becoming one. <laughs> I, I kind of think that they, what the, the folks charged with security for that day from the DC police to the Capitol police to the national guard, I think they did, they planned for the most likely course of action and in the military, we always are supposed to plan for the most likely and the most dangerous courses of action. So I think they planned for the most likely. They said, Hey, Trump's going to have a rally. He's going to speak over by the white house certifications going on at the Capitol. Trump's going to speak at the White House. The hallmark of the whole Trump era is that he can draw really big crowds, right? But by and large, those crowds are usually very peaceful. So what I think the cops did was they thought, okay, Trump's going to have a big rally. Worst case scenario, a bunch of like Antifa guys are going to show up and the Proud Boys and Antifa are going to get into fistfights on the street. So I, pr- I think they probably committed resources to that area and they didn't anticipate the Capitol. Now, if you look at the Capitol, you look at the history of people coming into the Capitol to protest a procedure going on there, whether it's a hearing, whether it's an election, there's tons of precedents for that. They let the Kavanaugh protesters in just two years, but not even two years before, a year and a half before. Code Pink has been in there throughout the entire war on terror. They've come right in and disrupted the actual like chamber procedures there. So I kind of think the guys, the Capitol Police that were charged with security that day, I think they didn't have clear guidance. Like I've been in that position sure. as a lowly grunt where it's like, what are we doing here, man? And if you don't it's one thing to say that you had a plan, but if you haven't rehearsed that plan, there isn't a well-established communications plan. There isn't a well-established chain of command for when things go wrong, it goes to shit fast. And that, when I was, I was, I wasn't there on the ground like you were, but I was just watching it and I was like, oh man, they did not plan for this. They didn't have, they didn't rehearse it. There was no clear communications. I've spoke with some law enforcement folks that I know that were prior military that were out there and they were like, dude, there was no plan whatsoever. Like the the National Guard and the cops, they didn't even have the ability to talk to each other at the ground level. So I think some of it is that, and I think some of the, the cover-up we're seeing right now is, is typical bureaucratic ass covering. Mm-hmm. But I start to get a little conspiratorial after the thing with, with Sicknick. When they lied to us about Sicknick, they exploited that narrative. And that narrative doesn't, it carries a lot of water for the left too, because then they can label all of us as murderers, insurrectionists, and terrorists, you know? And, but now when you look at, okay, where are the charges for the guys that plan this? Like revolver.net uh, has done a really, or revolver.com, Darren B, they've done a really good deep dive on the leaders of the, um, I think it's the 3%, or sorry, the Oath Keepers, how they, this one leader in particular hasn't been charged. And this guy showed up at CPAC. I was just at CPAC and he was there roaming around the crowd. And I'm like, what's this guy doing? Trying to recruit people for the next like FBI ran like coup or something? Like, how come this? How come there's people that haven't been charged yet that are rotting in a jail in D.C. But this guy, Stuart Rhodes, is his name, who helped plan this thing, and there's actual evidence that he helped plan it. Why is he over at CPAC now? Like, and where are all the other leaders of this militia? You know when. Uh... I mean, it's like you said, you know, conspiracies, it's, you know, the meme now is what's the difference between conspiracy and fact? Yeah. It's, well, it's 12 right. to 18 months, but it's, I mean, yeah. I mean, I always point to this is the one that kind of like is it slices through all of it for me is imagine, imagine it's two years after World War II, 85 million humans dead, right? How many hundreds of thousands of Americans would drop two atomic bombs on a sovereign nation and vaporize 300,000 men, women, and children? Imagine that war. The black and white photos of Auschwitz, Birkenau, Kelmo, Dachau, uh, Dachau 
Imagine all, right? The body stacked like cordwoods, uh, the Jews, the Roma, the gypsies, the Sintis, the homosexuals, the communists, right? Imagine all of that. It's two years in the rearview mirror. Two years, right? I mean, we're coming up on two years of COVID. That soon. Imagine someone trying to tell you, some idiot like me on a podcast, whatever black and white podcast it'd be, but imagine me sitting there telling you, hey, man, so I know we just hung a bunch of them, but I think the even worse ones, I have a feeling the CIA, which was just formed, you don't know about it. I have a feeling the CIA, who was the OSS, just brought up back a bunch of guys and all the Nazis, the worst of the worst. Really? Where do you think they are? I think they're out at a secret base in the middle of Nevada. What do you think they're doing? You know those little rockets they're shooting at London? Yeah, I think they're going to the moon, and I think Kennedy's in on it. That's what happened. That is a fact. Operation Paperclip. That is what happened. So that's just a little side rant. But, I mean, again, look, I don't want to say it it was all the FBI. Because that that completely removes all responsibility. I'm an adult. I was there. I'm an adult. Yep. No one made me drink. If I drink and then I text my girlfriend's friend, that's on me. Doesn't matter if she's being flirty. That's on me. I'm an adult. Own it. And the second you don't, we can't have any dialogue with anyone. But, you know, when it's when you have the heads of these guys kind of walking around and you're like, whoa, 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 what what are you? Why are you? What are you still doing here? It's. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the to, to trust that we have to have trust. In our government, we give our government a lot of powers. We have to trust. It goes back to what we started the conversation with. Do we vote for you? Because that's that's our sacred compact that we have with our yeah. government, you know. But then also, like, if we're going to give you the tools of the intelligence community and all this, and, and we're going to trust you guys to every now and again infiltrate these groups, you know, I I did this in my adult life. You know, I ran sources overseas to infiltrate terrorist groups. Yeah. But if we're going to be if we're going to be entrusted with that. There has to be some degree of transparency and there has to be some degree of trust. And we have things like January 6th where they've been caught in lie after lie after lie and there's still no transparency. That's where I think an oversight body like Congress has to come in and say, stop, time out. We are going to lay all this out for the American people right now. Otherwise, we are going to breach this trust and our whole country is really based on trust. Yeah. And and, you know, and no, I mean, you're right. I've had on uh, Vince Sheffaloo two times, former ATF. Um, funny enough, he was a cop in the same town I was in college in, and I remember the first time I talked to him, I was like, I stole a mailbox once, and he was like, you wouldn't tell that to a federal officer, would you? And I was like, oh, I was trying to just be funny, but like, he was in the ATF, man, and he, he was he was infiltrating, uh, you know, biker gangs, he was infiltrating uh, Ku Klux Klan rallies, he was doing all... You have to do that. You have to find out what's going on, right? And, I mean, an ounce of sure. intelligence is, wor- is worth a lot more. I mean, the Soviets could have just gone to war with us, but instead they put Klaus Fuchs and the Rosenbergs and the Manhattan Project. You can get a lot more bang for your buck, you know, when Truman's lying to you at whatever, the Potsdam Conference. This stuff does happen, and we have to figure out what it was because, again, nothing matters if we don't move forward with this. Now, I forgot where I was going with this, but, yeah, what is... I don't know how I'm going to word this. How can this be remedied? Let's say it does come out that it's audited, right? Or they do forensic audits and and, and they find out that Trump won. How can, because we, this is where I want to go with it. And I know we, I got to let you go, so I'll wrap this up. We don't exist in a vacuum, right? And like you said, the trust of the government, we have to have that contract if we don't trust each other. This isn't just a divorce where we go, yeah, let's go our separate ways. This is a divorce with a bunch of burglars outside, like, oh, I think there's some, you know, 
I think the wife's about to leave in anger. We can go break in. We don't live in a vacuum. I mean, we have Iran, North Korea, Russia. Sure, we have China with the Belt and Road Initiative, with a 1.3 billion person market, with what making their faux islands, doing their their pro masculine programs. The yeah, I just said the Belt and Road Initiative, their stealth war, unrestricted warfare, asymmetric warfare. We know they're doing all of this. It is. I mean, it's on that the left has an advantage in that it's, you know, we can fuck around and and do what we want. And if it works, it works. Even if it didn't work, even if the election didn't work and and Trump somehow got adjudicated and Trump stayed in, they still win because now we have to still try to keep everything cohesive because there are external enemies that want to see us divided. Right. I mean, we know. We know that's what we know. That's what Britain wanted. We know that France stepped in, and they had their own interests with us early on in the revolution. You want to divide. That's the very first thing you do, right? Mm-hmm. How can this all be held together in any meaningful non-QAnon sense? Can it be rectified, or is it going to be? Are we all going to look back, and it's going to be like, yeah, maybe there weren't WMDs, or man, maybe the Gulf of Tonkin was just some weird radar readings? Is it going to be something where we just go, huh? You know, I wish we had known, or can it be changed? Yeah. And I know that's that's above your pay grade to answer that, but I mean, I, I just think we're on every level we're we're in for a fight. I mean, I believe the receipts are there, and if we lay it out for the American people, and the consensus is, and, and we prove it, you know, in the court of law that there was enough fraud that flipped it, Biden didn't get two seventy. Then, like I said, I mean, I think we have a grounds there from the congressional level level to submit impeachment papers. But then I think we're going to be in un- uncharted territory. I th- this happened like once before at the end or after the Civil War, mm-hmm. where the states recalled their electors, but they didn't even go through the full 12 amendment process. They essentially had a handful of senators, a handful of justices, and I think some congressmen meet, and they had a handshake agreement to get the Union troops out of the South. And that pretty much prevented any more drama. I can't remember exactly which president it was, but that put that president you know, in there, but it's, that's not a very good precedent because I don't think we would have that gentleman's agreement right now. So I think we're going to be in a, in a hard fight, but as far as the optics from the outside, what China has right now on us is they have the ability right now to control our elites. They know that the Biden administration is doing everything they can to drive our economy off the cliff for whatever reason, whether that's intentional or whether that's just because they believe in these bad garbage policies of running up our national debt. We don't produce anything anymore. The supply lines are all in China, but we rely on China to buy off our debt. It's this massive ticking economic time bomb. And China knows they can take us out economically. That's way more powerful than any kind of military advantage they could possibly have over us. So China benefits the most and all of our enemies benefit the most from this current status quo where our elites are all in their pockets. The last thing they wanted, and this is really at the end of the day, this is why the establishment in America and the global establishment fought so hard against Trump because for all of his flaws, he was truly a disruptor that went in there and was pointing out a lot of the corrupt policies of the U.S. government. For for better or for worse, he was doing that. And that's that upset the national and I think the global order really. So I think if we get in there and we say, hey, this is America, this is the last bastion of actual freedom where the elites don't control absolutely everything, we're adjudicating our election. That doesn't mean, you know, that we're going to go, everything's going to automatically become, you know, nice and and, and great all over again. And and we're just going to re-enter, I don't know, the 80s and the 90s when we didn't have any real actual threats. That's not going to happen. I think that's kind of a boomer fantasy. There's a lot of boomers that are like, oh, when things go back to normal. And I'm like, hey, guys, 
stuff's not going back to normal. Like we are, we are in for a hard fight and not to, not all boomers feel that way. I'm not trying to be sure, sure. But, but, but boomers down, but I think because they, they grew up in such an era of so much peace and harmony that they think we're going to go back to that. I don't think we're going to go back to that for quite a while. I think we have to adjudicate the election, bring out all the fraud and then get Biden and Harris out of office through some sort of process, whether that's impeachment, whether that's the courts overturning it, this country has to go through this process. You know, there's there's some pathways in the Constitution because our founders were so genius. We have to go through this growing pain and we have to have this fight. You know, and, and I think a lot of people are going to have to become they're going to they're going to have to wake up to the fact that there was one side that cheated. And, and I swear, if my side cheated like this, I would want them called out. Just like you and I said, hey, the guys that went into the Capitol and acted violently, they should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. At the same time, if the FBI was directing some of those guys, that should be brought out as well. You know, like we are really the last bastion that has the ability to have, you know, we the people choose who governs us. And then we the people have a say in our government to make sure that our government actually benefits our people. And if we lose sight of that, I think we're doomed. You know, as skeptical as people want to get and they want to score this political win or that political win, if, if we lose sight of that as a country, then that's when the outside actors, the forces of evil, the Chinese Communist Party, the far left, that's when they really win, you know, and then we are going to be faced with people that are literally Hitler or even worse than Hitler because of their control. I mean, Hitler didn't have control of the world's economy in the way the Chinese Communist Party does. So we're, we're, we're on the cusp, man. And, and I just don't think that there's going to be one point where it's very clear that we're, we're, we're winning. I, I think maybe if we keep pushing and fighting hard, we're going to be there in 10 years and in, in 15 years, but that's, there's going to be a lot of fighting, a lot of, and I hope it stays fighting on the political level. I, I truly do. I don't want any, I lived a very violent life overseas and I've seen a lot of violence overseas. And I, the last thing I want is to see that here. The, the good thing that we have on our side is that we do have a political process that if we if we follow it and we honor it, that we can save this country. That's that's the hope that I have. Yeah, it's, and it's, you know, it, it gets hairy because we obviously both support Trump and, and you know, anything we say is it's very quickly gonna be written off is, would you really yeah. care if someone else cheated? But it's, listen, I mean, the whole thing is done. If that's the case, if if that's the case, the whole the whole thing is it, it doesn't matter. It might as well just hand, might as well start you know speaking Mandarin now. It doesn't matter. Um, but I know I've been running my mouth nonstop, and that's it's you kind of like you were saying about the Capitol Police. You're like you know you got to have a plan and everything. I was trying to come up with an analogy, but then I realized I I do like I listen to like interviews like yourself of like other before I have them on. I never have a single question written down. I never have. I just go in and just off the top of my head, have no idea what it's I'm good, doing. Man. No, it's good. It's yeah. I just try to like, try to freak out. Try not to you know implode. Um, but because I talk nonstop, and I kind of forced all of the questions. Is there anything? And I know you got to go. But is there anything that you that's that you want to talk about that I didn't touch on? Is there anything that I just whiffed on? No, I, I mean we covered a lot of ground. Um, but I think you're right on the the stuff that we can't move on beyond, you know, the, the purity and the sovereignty of our elections, I think, are, and that's one of my, my big issues. Everywhere I go in my district, my district's very diverse. People are supposed to have these boilerplate issues that they care about. And like all that stuff's out the window. The first thing that people from all, all walks of life say to me is what we're going to do about our elections. So that's why that's been something that's just so absolutely key to me too. But I, I think something that folks that 
that think like we do that are on the right that are Trump supporters that we really need to be aware of right now is the fact that the establishment in the GOP and the Republican Party, they're not on our side. They want the status quo of being able to get our money and not having to fight very hard and really just and back these corporate interests that have really gotten us to the point that we're at right now. They love that status quo. So Kevin McCarthy right now is supporting the woman that voted for impeachment that I'm primary, Jamie Herrera Butler. He gave her $100,000 so far um, in this cycle. So if, if people like my message and they like the America First message, they can support me with a small contribution because despite the PAC money that she's getting, I'm still beating her on individual contributions. That's why I have some hope because it's not just about me, but it's about the whole America First grassroots movement. We, we the base, can take charge of this if we stay politically active enough. So if folks can can support me, JoeKentForCongress.com is a donate tab on there. So five, 10, 15 bucks actually goes a really long way to take our country back. I'll put that link in the description. I'll stick it in the top comment. And also, you have, if I'm correct, you have put two hundred thousand dollars of your own money towards it. And so you're not just, you're not just, yes, sir. you're yep. not just being the whore saying put it in the put it in the exactly. yeah. yeah. You're, you're you're going for it. And so yep, I'll, I'll put it up first. I will do that. Um, yeah. Well, the, the very last thing. Man, why why'd you cut the long hair? You had you had a badass like commando know, right? flow, man. If if Crenshaw can pull if he can pull off the eye patch thing, why can't you go full full eighties Rambo? I know. So when I got out of the military, I actually my late wife, she was like, You shouldn't get a haircut for like two years. So I had about two and a half years of like no haircut going Solid. there. It was and awesome. like really scraggly, like yeah, it, it was pretty epic, man. It actually kind of gets annoying after a while. Yeah. So I was like, all right. Congress, a lot of people are not going to know where I'm coming from. They're just going to think I'm like some some freaking some wild man out in the woods in the Northwest. So I figured, uh, you know, yeah, dress, dress for the dress for the job that you want. So I shaved and got a haircut. That's true. <laughs> you walk in there looking like some Duck Dynasty guy. It's going to be like, man, this guy led January sixth. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's no good. Um, so Joe Ken for Congress. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm going to stop recording. I just wanted to say something to you afterwards. So uh, thank you very much. I'll put that website in the description, top comment, all that good stuff. If you like Joe Kent, go donate. And, uh, and if you don't, don't donate and leave a comment on why you don't like him because we're a free country and that's the beauty of exactly. this. This isn't a, I have my beliefs. If you don't like him, leave a comment. I'm not going to remove it because that's what makes this country so great. So Amen. thank you so much, sir. God bless. And don't go thank anywhere because I, I want to say something. All right.